Thank you for being here, friend, and welcome to Exploring the Seasons of Life, a podcast for women with a big heart on a spiritual journey. I'm your host, Cindy McMillan. Do you ever feel like you're waiting on a permission slip to live the life you want? If you answered yes, then you're in the right place. Each week, I interview coaches and spiritual explorers from all walks of life about beginnings, endings, and the messy bits in between. Self-love, well-being, and mindset are at the heart of our conversations because once you change the inside, the outside will begin to change as well. It's really a gift to sit down and talk with people who are willing to share their wisdom. So today's guest, as I mentioned, is Corby Mitleid. She knows the value of the examined life. Through divorce, abuse, poverty, and life-threatening illness, she found meeting challenges and asking the next question meant facing each situation with strength, courage, and humor. Today, she is an intuitive consultant and teacher with a career spanning the globe and clients worldwide. Corby, thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate it. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for asking. So I start off the podcast with my favorite question, and that is, what does exploring the seasons of life mean to you personally or in the work that you do? There's an old saying, what doesn't change dies. Um, I am now 66, and to me, who I have grown to be because I've experienced the three bats of breast cancer, the two divorces, the crazy changing career, it means that at this point, I have more to pass on. I'm actually in the middle of writing a book with the person that I consider the most incandescent student I've ever known. She's going to be a brilliant consultant when she's in her 20s. But the book is Elder and Apprentice. She's my apprentice, but I am the elder, and it's time for me to pass on my knowledge. I love the name of of your book, Corby, Elder and the Apprentice. When are you expecting that to come out? It'll be a year or two. We're just in the middle of writing it now. And it's the reason is Ula, who's my student, there are books out there, teen witch, teen psychic, whatever. And they're all written by adults and they don't get kids. The Gen Zs, which she is, they're going to have a very different world than we did. We never worried about would the world even be here. We never worried about being attacked by our neighbors with guns and knives. We never worried about would I even be able to afford living in an apartment, let alone anything else. So the book is being written in a way as a dialogue so that the Gen Z and the elder come to a meeting place where we can pass on the information in a way that millennials, Gen Zs can use it. Because I don't understand their lives. Ula does. That's what makes the book useful. Absolutely. And and I can't wait for that to come out because you're having two generations coming together, inspiring her generation, but in doing that will also inspire our generation as well. Yes. You need to know the difference between a boomer and an elder because by chronology, I'm a boomer, but boomers think that their sweet spot of existence, because it was, 
is the way it always ought to be. And if you're not doing it, it's because it's your fault and you're not doing it right and quit complaining and blah, blah, blah. That's not the truth. An elder knows when their time on stage is leaving and the spotlight is moving to someone else and they do that gracefully and they pass on what they have learned to others who ask respectfully, but they find those apprentices, those students, and they give them everything they've got. Because in 20, 30, 40 years, I am gone. But Ulu will be here in the fullness of her abilities. And so that's how I make a difference to the generations ahead. Mm, Corby, I love that. Absolutely love it. When I was I'm talking about your bio and everything, mm-hmm. and I mentioned that you're an intuitive consultant and teacher. Mm-hmm. Yep. Now, how did you get interested in, I'm going to say, becoming an intuitive consultant or even interested in past lives? All right. Um, intuitive consultant is the um, cocktail dress version of psychic medium. That's what I am. But a lot of people see that and they see the turban, Swami Swalanda or Madam Hoo-ha. When I say intuitive consultant, they're real comfortable. But the truth is, this is how it all started. When I was nine, I read a book called The Witch Family by Eleanor Estes, the children's book. But there was magic in it and I loved it. Fast forward to 1973 when I was a senior in high school working at Spencer Gifts. They had the James Bond 007 tarot deck and I bought it because we were all hippies then. Everyone else moved on to roller skates and disco balls and fad, 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 but I love the cards. So I read seriously for 20 years for friends, keeping my ego out of the way. All of a sudden, in 1994, I could do hands-on healing, talk to dead people, and reach for past lives with no training. That's when the universe handed me my draft notice and said, hello, you're working for us. I did it part-time for many years until 9-11. As we watched the towers burn, I turned to my husband and I said, Carl, I need to do the intuitive work full time. People need to know there are other answers out there. He said, I believe when you go do it. So for one more year, I worked 70 hours a week as an executive recruiter, did the psychic work on the side. Once I knew I could make a living at it, the door was closed on corporate. That was 20 years ago and I have never looked back. Wow. I it's it's almost like, I want to say a straight line. It's not. I'm sure that you've had those ups and downs, but maybe you have, maybe you didn't. Maybe you read that that first book and you knew from there what your life purpose was going to be. I didn't know it was a life purpose, but I knew it was what I wanted. Think of it as a ballerina. She's doing these mad pirouettes, but she keeps her focus on a spot on the wall so she doesn't fall. And that was my life. It was crazy. I did so many dumb things. Um, it took a lot of clue bricks upside the head, but all of that, if you will, the old fashioned saying was grit for the mill so that when I was ready to do the, uh, intuitive consultant work full time, I had so much life experience to have compassion about when my clients bring it to me that I don't judge. I am simply here in service period. End of statement. That is very nice. I've had several readings and I've had readings from very talented people. Now, as I said that, I wanted to stop myself. And is that the correct way to say that, a reading? It's a reading. It's a session. It's a, it's okay. a whatever. Okay. You know, um, please understand that I am about the most dead dog practical psychic you're ever going to find. I don't take offense. I've handled skeptics. I mean, if you do come up to me 
at a psychic expo and say to me, well, tell me something you couldn't know about me. And if you're right, I'll have a reading. I will look at you and say, I'm sorry, I don't roll over and fetch either and turn my back and you're not going to get a reading. There's a certain level of respect for what we do, but it's not a matter if you say one small wrong thing, you know, going to have fits. Yeah. And I think, I think that's a misconception that people have is exactly what you just said, Corby, that they think they can just go to someone and just say something exactly like that because they don't Mm -hmm. want to offer any information for the reading to be um, constructive and, and well thought out. And that's if you just want me to, you know, sit there and blather at you, which I don't do. Uh, I am a, a little bit of a strange psychic in that I try to get you to spend as little money as possible, not as much. I am so fast that a half an hour with me is like an, an hour with everybody else. But when you sit down with me, the first thing I'm going to say to you is what is the most important thing you want to get out of your knowing today? Because I have a huge number of talents and you have a massive life. No matter how fast I go in a half an hour, if what you really want is how to handle your youngest child and I didn't get there, you're going to go, ah, oh, she was terrible. She didn't know anything. So you tell me where you want to go. And that's where I direct myself first. And I know what tools to use because people come to me for, for general subjects, house, car, job, kids. Okay, God, you put me here. Now what? That's the everyday tour bus. Why do I have this feeling about 1642 Belgium? That's past lives. I want to speak to my spirit guide, Binky. That's channeling spirit guides and angels. Or how's dead Aunt Mabel? That's mediumship. You know, I, and as you can see, I'm very much not one of those psychics who thinks my aura don't stink and just, you know, salute me as you go by. Um, Let's take the everyday tour bus. If you came to me and said, I want to know about my career, I would ask you three ways we can look at it. You want to stay where you are, change jobs, but still work for somebody else or open your own business. Why do I ask you that? Because each one of those is a 12 to 15 card multiple spread with details. So for instance, let's say you said, I want to open up a broadcasting studio. Great. It wouldn't be three cards, wait until October and fire the second redhead. What does that do for you? (laughs) It would be a card for you, a card for any of your partners, a card for the energy around the business, the brick and mortar location to look for, how to market it, clients, competition, staff, finances, what you need to know and best possible outcome. I train my clients don't ask me yes or no questions. Because if you said, is my new broadcasting studio going to be successful? I'd look at you and go, and what if I said, no, you're going to lose everything and live in a box under a bridge. You have nowhere to go. But when I, you ask, how do I make it successful? You have all of that delicious information I just gave you and you leave my booth with a rocket pack on your back. Simple as that. So I love that you just went through that, Corby, because a lot of times people don't even know what to ask or even how to get started, you know, working mm-hmm. with somebody. That was perfect. Thank you. Thank you. And and I do want to talk about reincarnation. Mm-hmm. Can you just, can you explain first what reincarnation is and then how would we know if we had a past life? Oh, honey, you think you're smart enough to do it in one? None of us are. We humans are pretty damn dumb. So, but the way I explain it, because very often somebody who is, you know, Bible centric will come to me and say, but God said we only live once. Are you against God? Of course not. And he's right. But here's how to look at it. 
Reincarnation is what happens when your soul comes down life after life after life, learning different things and bringing that knowledge back to heaven. Why? Because earth is dual, good, bad, black, white, happy, sad. That once you are in your full soul in heaven, you don't have those emotions. You don't have the differentiation. Living in heaven is like living in a white room with white curtains and a white piano with white keys and a white carpet and you're in white. You have no word for black. The Eskimos have 200 words for snow and not one for a palm tree. They have no idea what a palm tree is. So back to reincarnation. Our souls come down, but each personality gets a once. You're never going to be back here and neither am I. This personality, which are all of our foibles and how we learn, gets hung up in the closet after we pass. All right. Let's use my father as an example. Uh, He was my best friend. He died 20 years ago. I still have connections with him. And it doesn't mean he's stuck on earth. It means that we talk long distance line. Mm -hmm. So my father, when he's in his full soul self, is still compassionate, still maintains all of the medical knowledge he gained down here as a brilliant internist cardiologist, still has a sense of humor, still is wise. That's the soul. The personality was his hypochondria, anxiety, and depression. That's not here anymore. Okay. So the way I explain it to people who still aren't getting it, think about the actor, Matt Smith. Now, Matt played the 11th doctor on Doctor Who. Goofy, crazy, your your best crazy best friend. Yes, he is my doctor. After he left Doctor Who, he took on the part of Prince Philip in The Crown for the first two seasons. A totally different man. So think of Doctor and Prince Philip as the personalities down here. Matt Smith is the soul that animated both. Is that a clear picture for you? That makes perfect sense to me because you've explained it in a way that a lot of times people think of reincarnation as they they die, they go to heaven, they come back, and they're basically that same person. But I understand what you're saying. The personalities are now different. But you will retain certain things. For instance, I know through my own past life work for me, two lives ago, I was a German pilot in World War I. What are some of the things that he and I have in common? Both of us are good writers. Both of us are the people that that other people come to to talk. When he was a squadron leader, people would just say, hey, Leutnant, can I talk to you? And he'd sit down and explain things. Um, There are some things that he has that I don't. He was a brilliant violinist. I can play Pandora. (laughs) That's what I can play. Uh, He was a great pilot. I had vertigo. I could never get a license. And the soul does that a little bit. So you don't go back to the same stuff. But interestingly enough, he was an engineer who played the violin. My father's father, my grandfather, was a violinist who was good enough to get into Juilliard, but was told by his parents, we don't need a musician in the family. We need an engineer for our factory. So he became an engineer who played the violin. So there can be resonances. But the whole point is, what are you going to learn? Because I'm going to trot over to karma for a minute. 
karma is not bad and good carrot and stick. Karma is actually five things. Unbalanced energy, healing, service, contrast, and healing of beliefs. It's, it's the assignment we give ourselves to come down here and work on. In this life, for me, it was learning that women are more than just their bodies and how to respect them better. Probably as a male, and I'm a male in most of my lives, I have a problem with that. So I came down here with a Dolly Parton figure so that I would have to live that and learn how to deal with it and deal with it or not. That's part of the, the, the learning. So the package you're in also makes a difference in how you learn, what you learn. Absolutely. Because, and just using your example, if you're now here, you know, as a female in a Dolly Parton body, you're learning what, that a lot of times we are looked at as sexual objects. Mm -hmm. And as a man, you wouldn't have known that necessarily. Exactly. And in my life, because I had a great deal of trouble learning that lesson and not using the body as the bargaining chip, because that's all I knew. Um, I got breast cancer three times. Third time was a second primary, but still double mastectomy, ovaries out to cut the estrogen. And I went from the Dolly Parton figure to the fat fire plug with permanent side effects. Totally lost my looks. But that is when I went from it's only the body to valuing my own mind, what I had to share, and more compassion for my clients on a lot of levels. So you see, I'm not, it wasn't, I was bad, so I got cancer. The third time, the way I see it is my guides and soul were saying, look, we need you down there to do more work. You can't get past what you look like. We're going to remove the problem, but you're still going to be there. Okay. It's worked so far. Corby, I love the way that you're just so matter of fact, and and I want to use the word simple, but that's not what I mean. But the, the way you're explaining things is at a level that someone who may not be involved in mediumship understands. I think what you're looking for is I'm not blurpy purple with angels and throwing so much wiki woo jargon at you that you're getting glassy eyed. If I'm a teacher, I had better know how to explain it so that most people understand it. Exactly. And I'm a storyteller. So I'll always put it into allegory so that people understand it. Yeah. When we go to a psychic, if they tell us something that we go, oh, no, 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 no. That's not going to happen, Corby. Can we change our own future? Of course you can. Uh, There's a book I've written called The Psychic Yellow Brick Road, How to Find the Real Wizards and Avoid the Flying Monkeys. And the first two chapters in there are how to choose a good psychic safely and what to do when you get there. Now, what you just talked about is what I called um, evaluate the information. Okay. Remember that even the best of us are only 85% accurate. The only one 100% accurate is God, and God's not doing phone readings this week. So let's say that somebody says to you, uh, your daughter is going to come to you uh, because of a tragedy, and you and your daughter don't talk. You, you know, it's, it's forget it. But what if all of a sudden your daughter is in a car accident, she mangles her leg, and now she loses her basketball scholarship to this college she wanted to go to and does not know what she's going to do with her life. That may be where there's a breakthrough. 
and she talks to you as mom, what do I do? Because everything that she thought about herself was now as mangled as the leg. Okay. So evaluate it and hold on to it. One of, one of my favorite stories about that. There was uh, a show I was doing in Kitchener, Ontario, and there were a couple of challenging things that I put in front of someone that uh, might happen. She looks at me, gets up, says something very rude and leaves. Okay. Who's the first person back in my chair the next time I'm there, but her. She sits down. She says, last time I said, blah, blah, blah. And I said, yes, I remember. Cause you told me that I was going to take in a border and then I was probably going to want to sell my house. And I thought this was all bull, but my daughter got pregnant and moved home. And now I'm going to sell my house to help raise my grandson. And I still don't like you, but tell me what else you see. Don't shoot the messenger guys. You know, we, my whole thing is here are your opportunities and how to grab them. Here's the tough stuff. Here's how to get through it or around it. Here's the toolbox. Go rock and roll. On the other hand, if when you first sit down with somebody, they look at you and you've never had kids and you're my age. And she says of your four kids, it's your youngest. Who's going to take care of you in your old age, honey, she's not connecting. You say, thank you, madam. Hoo ha, not going, get your money back and leave. Okay. Um, because sometimes we don't connect. I don't connect with absolutely everybody, but when I know I'm not, I explain, I'm very sorry. I'm not connecting. I give them their money back as long as they've been polite. And I may even suggest another intuitive at the show who might be a better fit for them. That's the mark of a professional intuitive. We don't take money for what we can't do. You know, at the beginning, I said to you, I've had readings by very talented um, people, but I did about maybe two months ago, I went to a fair and kind of what you just described happened where I sat down with someone and I could almost felt it immediately. I did not feel that connection Mm -hmm. and nothing resonated but I was very polite about it. And I just said, I'm, I'm not resonating with, you know, anything that you're saying. And she said, let's start again. Mm-hmm. And we just kind of warmed up to each other a little bit more. And then it got better. Got, got better. That's fine. Yeah, that's fine. Um, good for her for saying, let's start again. Yeah. That is terrific. The thing that I warn people about are the ones who tell you you have a family curse, there's a leak in your aura, and you have to buy a $600 blessed candle or your family's going to die in a car accident in two weeks. Those are the fakes. Run, run, run. Trust me, you're not cursed. Right. So we talked about this a little bit. What kind of questions should we ask a psychic? Like if I sat down with you, mm-hmm. what kind of questions should I ask you? And I know you've already said no, yes or no questions. Well, it's things like you have to be ready to hear what we're going to say. Don't ask what you don't want to hear about. And the favorite example I give, every psychic hears this and roars with laughter is the does Bruce love me? Because there are some people who know what they want to hear and they keep hitting on the psychic until they do. You know, does Bruce love me? No. Has he ever thought about me? Not the way you want. If I do such and such, will he think about me? No. Well, is he going to call me? And, and, and hoping that we will finally say, yes, yes, he loves you and he wants seven babies with you, but he just doesn't know it yet. Don't do that, please. If you're a hypochondriac, don't ask about health. Look at what your challenges are. For instance, 
how, how does a past life reading help with me? A woman came to me and said, I'm really worried about my son. He won't live more than a mile or two from me. And he always has to ask me what I think of what he should do. And he's in his late twenties, what's going on with this. And I, I, I can retrieve a past life pretty quickly. So I said, I see both of you on Utah beach. He's got some pretty severe wounds, but you, you're his commanding officer. You drag him over a dune and protect him. You took some shrapnel yourself, but you both got out of there alive. And I opened my eyes because I tend to close my eyes when I see these things. And she looked at me and she whispered, what was my rank? I said, oh, you were a sergeant. And she flops back in her chair and she goes, he has called me Sarge since he was three years old. And we had no idea where that came from. Wow. Because she understands it is a past life thing. She might even be able to bring that to him and explain, I saved your life once, but your life is yours now. No, it's information that you have. That's why don't just go looking for past lives to see if you're anybody cool. If we were supposed to remember them, we'd remember them. We only remember the ones that help us through this lifetime. Okay. So ask about what's important to you. Um, I don't do remote spying. What's remote spying? Betsy and Robert date. They can ask about each other. They break up. Betsy cannot ask about who Robert is seeing at the moment. That's remote spying. Only exception to that rule is mothers may spy on their children any way they can find. But that also means if your mom comes to me, same rules. So that's your practical. Then past lives. If you have an obsession, a phobia, a place you either love or hate that makes no sense, that you always stumble over, let's look at that. Angels and guides will talk to you. But remember, they're not going to tell you whether to buy the red car or the blue car. If you ask them, they'll say, buy the car where you feel most safe. And that's the real answer. And of course, we can talk to your deceased loved ones or try. But remember, we're not dial a dead. If Aunt Rose is on a field trip up there doing work, she won't be by the phone. I do my mediumship a little bit different than most. I get dog tags right away, again, to save time and get right into it. Example, my father, Jerome Richard Dorkin, who died in 2001 at the age of 80, tells me nothing about him, but gets me into the energy. Then my guides almost play charades with me, showing me certain gestures. They smoked, they had surgery. It was an accident. And as soon as we've established who your person is, and it really is them, then I open the door and you can talk to them directly. But I'm very, very fussy. Two examples of what I consider really great um, identifiers. A woman wanted to speak to her father-in-law. All of a sudden, I feel myself miming a pool cue. He had taught her how to play pool. A woman wanted to speak to her grandfather. Immediately, I feel myself salute. Now, Americans salute with their palm down. Brits and Canadians salute with the palm facing out. It was a salute with a palm facing out. She had just graduated from the Royal Canadian Mounted Police Academy, and the grandfather was acknowledging his pride in her. That's not, it's Aunt Doris because it's a rose and she loves you. I'm pickier than that. I just got cold chill bumps on me as you're talking because I have never been to anyone like you, Corby. (laughs) Honey, I am not your typical psychic. I'm not. Um, I am not one of those who believes her aura don't stink. I'm very, you're going to laugh at my table because I'm funny. And I still, you know, I mean, I can do a four day show and read 70 people and do two lectures. At the end of the day, of course, I'm exhausted. But I am so honored, grateful, 
completely focused on my client when I'm there. We're having a wonderful adventure together. It's not, yes, I'm a psychic and I will tell you your life. That that would bore me to tears. But it's the pure joy of what I get to do that comes across. And with a lot of psychics, it's not there. That's what you're feeling. In your book, Clean Out Your Life Closet, you mm-hmm. talk about life's three-legged stool. What's that? All right. It's based on clarity. You need to get clear on the most important stuff in your life. That means clarity on your purpose, what you do in here, what are you going to tell God you got to do when you get back upstairs, clarity in your relationships, and clarity with spirit. Um, because that's really life. It's the everyday practicalities. It's the people in your lives. And it's the numinous that created all of us. You know, um, I don't specifically say it has to be any one particular flavor of religion. My whole thing is God owns the grocery store and he doesn't care if you get in through florist, deli, or health and beauty age, just get in. So I will work with whatever your belief system is. And clarity is that that most important It's piece. knowing. Yes. It's knowing. Wait. When you're clear on your purpose, you know why you're here in the world and you won't get pulled as much by other people who want to take you off your purpose. Damn, I thought I wanted me to be a lawyer. No, I was an actress and a writer and a psychic and all of that is me. Clarity in relationships is important because you have to know how to deal with. I mean, uh, some of my rules are fix versus listen. Husbands are fixers and we're just running around and we're pissing and moaning and they keep saying, well, what about, what, what about, what about, and they keep derailing us from venting and doing our own thinking and it starts an argument. Mm -hmm. So my husband now says, do you want me to try to fix it or just listen? And whichever one I say, that's what it is. The other thing is to versus act. You can bitch to someone about how awful your day was, or you can bitch at them why can't you remember to put your breakfast dishes in the dishwasher? So he always asks, are you yelling to me or at me? At me, he tries to respond and fix. To me, it's he just listens. When you can get this clear on communications between people, there are a lot of misconceptions that get avoided. And the other thing that I teach people um is to think like a Martian detective. Now, what's that? Um, If you were sitting across from me and you had water coming out of your eyes, I'd probably say, why are you crying? But I could be wrong. The Martian is assigned to go and investigate Earth and he knows from nothing about humans, but he's all excited. So he toddles up to you when you're crying and goes, why is there water coming from your eyes? And maybe it's allergies and maybe it's your contact lenses or maybe there's an emotional basis. Because he puts no judgment on it and just asks about what he sees, he'll get more information. And very quick story to show how that works for humans. There was a man who, wife, child, he was in a terrible accident. His face was badly disfigured. And he thought everybody thought he was awful. One night he was putting his daughter to bed. She grabs his face. She smushes it next to hers and says, this would be a great picture, but it would be better if mommy's face were in the picture. Now, before he learned this method, he would have thought, see, even my daughter thinks I'm hideous. 
Instead, he knew Martian detective, so he just looked at her and said, why would it be a better picture if mommy's face were in the picture? And she looks at him and says, because mommy can't hold the camera still and you take good pictures. By asking, he avoided something that could have scarred him for life and found out his daughter just still sees him as daddy and thinks he's a good photographer. Absolutely, Corby. As you're talking, I can see all the ways, including myself, can jump to those conclusions Mm -hmm. without asking, I'm going to say qualifying questions. Yes. And when we learn to do that, we'll notice that people all of a sudden are, and their, their fists drop. Because when people talk to each other, there's a lot of misdirected anger and people are ready to fight because they, you're not going to understand. You don't care. It's all, no. When you acknowledge what they've said and you've asked, you are saying to them, I see you, I hear you. And isn't that all that we really want? Mm. Oh, it's so beautiful. How to connect with spirit. It's how you step away from things. Remember, when you're in the middle of a situation, imagine you are a 50-foot God on a cliff a half a mile above a city, and you're looking down, and you're remember, you see patterns. You're not in the middle of the problems. So that's a way of working with spirit to pull you out of too many details to make a decision. There, now I'm done. And if you have a few minutes, I would love mm-hmm. to ask you a couple more questions because I always oh, try yeah. to be so respectful. Okay. All oh, right. Plenty. All right. So can all psychics talk to dead people? Yes and no. Okay. We're all wired like the same houseplant. Actually, the way the new example I use is we all have 10 fingers. Okay. Everybody can play chopsticks. Those of us who really love the piano, we learn to read music and we play scales, but some of us play classical and some of us play ragtime and jazz. One in 10 million is Elton John who can do everything. Okay. So uh, yes, we can all reach dead people, but it takes practice. Um, The fact that I could do it without any training just means that the wiring was there, but I had to make sure that I could do it correctly. I had to practice my skills. We are like doctors. We have talents and spirit actually goes rifling through our file drawers to see what we're good at. For instance, with me, I was an actress, professional. So I know how to get into the head of characters. I'm a writer. I know how to tell stories and I adore history. Uh, In fact, I met my husband because we both had interest in World War I aviation. So I can take a look at a past life and give you the details, all right? Somebody else might be able to do past lives, but they don't have my historical knowledge. So they might say, well, there's a past life where you're a female and it's a long skirt and a big hat, so I know it's old-fashioned. I would be able to look at that and say, okay, female, hobble skirt, picture hat, that kind of ostrich feather. You're standing in front of the Brandenburg Gate. I think this is Berlin in 1911. See? Mm -hmm. On the other hand, A lot of people use pendulums, which is simply a crystal on a string or a chain to get yes or no answers. I have a slight benign tremor in my hand, so I couldn't trust that information. That's not a tool I use. So the answer is everybody can do it if they want to spend the time. But the thing is, how much time do they want to spend? And where is their love? If you're an artist, you're going to do spirit art drawings. You may not want to talk to dead Aunt Mary. And that's okay. Just like they are doctors with specialists, so are they psychics. 
That's good to know because, you know, sometimes as a somebody who would be going to a psychic, you might think that everybody has the same talents. And that would be a question when you're making that phone call mm-hmm. to ask. When, um, you know, people say, well, I'm going to a psychic there. How am I going to know? And I tell them they have to be good puppies. First, they go in and they do their walkies. <laughs> they walk around, they look at all the booths, but they don't necessarily engage. Then they can start going to people who look like maybe they're interesting. And I tell them, now, as good puppies, you have to be paper trained. What that means is we all have rack cards or flyers and pick up anything from people you're interested in. You're going to go back, you're going to read through it, and there may be three or four. Then you go back, you see if you can talk to us. If we're busy, talk to our front people. But remember, we hire them to say they love us. My original front person was my husband's office manager, Monday through Friday. She's not going to diss me on the weekends. You go to the testimonial books that we all have and you read through. Because then you find out about us. Are we good? Are we kind? Are we funny? Do we have specialties? Are we accurate? Would people come back? And the last most important thing, you check in at your heart level. You are putting your hard-earned money on the table. If the psychic doesn't feel like they have a brain in their head, they really care about what they're doing, or they're going to give you good information, don't go there no matter how cool the wiki-woo stuff looks on the table. And if nobody rings your chimes, leave without a reading. It will not be your only time in your life, I promise you. That is such good advice. And I will say... um, I have started doing that where in the past I may not have taken that time to walk around the entire fair first. It would have been kind of like, as you walk in, there's somebody, you know, now Mm -hmm. I I walk around the whole fair and I may not be as detailed as what you just described, which I'm going to in the future. (laughs) But you know, we all have different personalities. If there are some people who love the ones that have the pink booth and all the glitter and the unicorns. And let's see what your angels are going to say today. That's not me. I'm from New York. You know, that's why I'm in your face. Practically funny. Thanks, Kat. Um, <laughs> so if you want very, very gentle, you go to my friend, Debbie Dyer. You want in your face, lots of information and funny. You come to me. So I'm going to ask you a a question about Ouija boards. Uh. So, you know, you hear so much about Ouija boards. What are they really? Ouija boards are a divination tool. Um, And they have letters and numbers on the board. And you are supposed to put your hands on the little thing that moves. It's called a planchet. And supposedly you're going to be able to talk to spirits. But playing with a Ouija board when you don't know how to ground, center, and shield is like throwing open your door in a strange neighborhood and yelling free beer. You don't know who's out there, but they heard you in. They're coming. And yes, Esther Hicks got Abraham and Jane Roberts got Seth, and they're all very valuable. But I have had to deal with two teenagers gibbering hysterically in fear because they put their hands on the planchet without any kind of you know, protection and said, who's there and spelled very fast backwards was I have an ax and I'm here to kill you. Trust me. That's not uncle Danny. Right. And for everybody who says, but they're in the toy department, which I get all the time. When I do a lecture on this, I say, all right, who here has a kid or a grandchild under 10 and a bunch of hands go up. I say you, how old? Seven. What's his name? Sammy. 
fine. Sammy comes to you and goes, mommy, mommy, I got good grades and you promised I could have a toy if I got all A's. And he takes you into the toy store and drags you over to a box that says, my first chainsaw. It's in the toy department. You going to let him play with it by himself? I don't think so. So what you're saying from your perspective, it's not something that we should just be out there playing with. Good Lord, no. Okay. No. Um, divination tools can be neutral, but because that has such a rep, that tends to be what the lower level spirits tend to gravitate towards. You know, they hang out at the corner of Akashic and Karma and they say, okay, there are a couple of rubes. Let's go see what we can do. That's not what you want to play with. So I really don't like Ouija boards, I'll be honest. All right. Thank you. Tell everyone how they can find your website, your social media, how they can take that next step to work with you, your books. Very simple. I'm kind of hard to avoid. Uh, you go to my website, which is corbymitlie.com. You find me on Facebook at Fire Through Spirit. Pinterest, Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, that's all Corby Mitlide. And the books are available on Amazon. Just look at Corby Mitlide and you'll find all three of the ones I've written. I have loved having you. And you've just been a breath of fresh air. So thank, thank you. you so much for being a guest today. It was a real pleasure. Thank you for asking. Thank you. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others, post about it on social media, or head over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. Leaving a rating and review helps to improve rankings in iTunes. It shows engagement, which may attract sponsors, and it is essential for the podcast to be discovered by new listeners. Plus, it would mean the world to me. Thanks again. Until next time, live inspired.